If you do not have an outline of the sermon, will you please raise your hand? And we want you to have one, especially today. Uh, Brother Chip will make sure you have an outline. Everyone, we want you to have an outline. And there is no way that we can cover all of this today. because, mainly because of the time, but uh, there is so much in this. As most of you know, for the last three, no, about four months, we've been on relationships, relationship with God, and how that man, of course, was created that he might have fellowship with God and have a relationship with God. You know, Christianity is not necessarily about religion, it's about a relationship. And our relationship with God, of course, Adam and Eve lost their relationship with God, was put out of the garden. But yet God Almighty had a plan to bring man back into communion and fellowship and have a relationship with him again. And then a relationship with the family, uh, husbands and wives and parents and children. We dealt extensively on that and, and just wonderful. Ironically, the family institute was started before the church was started, really. And so it's important that we have a good relationship with our companions and with our children and with our parents. And then a relationship with the world and how that important it is for us to go out and minister to those that are certainly in need. And uh, we talked quite a bit about that, our relationship to the church and not only the church, but the local church and how important it is to belong to the church And this morning, I want to take a few minutes and share with you on our relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you'll notice, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the believer. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the believer. Read with me, if you will. By the way, we have quite a few scriptures uh, to read today. Uh, I don't want it to get boring or get bogged down. And you certainly don't get bogged down with the scripture, but... Uh, I, I want to be able to make sure that what we're talking about, the truth of God's word, is substantiated by his uh, holy scripture. And so we'll be, we'll be reading quite a bit. But if you will, we're going to read, first of all, John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. And this is Jesus said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you. Forever, verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, you, the disciples that he's talking to, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then I would like to read, if you allow me to, from the amplified version of John chapter 16, verse 7. Read with me, if you will, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, and the reason I wanted to read it with the Amplified, because it breaks it down there and uses several, several words when it talks about the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby will not come to you. But if I go, Jesus says, I will send him, who? The Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. Father, we ask you to add your blessings to the reading of your word. Lord, I feel so inept to be able 
to speak concerning this wonderful, powerful, powerful third person of the Godhead. We ask, dear God, that you'd open our ears, our spiritual ears, dear God, that we might certainly understand and comprehend what thus saith the Lord. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Read with me, if you will, the introduction. A proper understanding of the doctrine of the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer will do much to unlock the possibilities of spiritual blessing, spiritual blessings, and certainly your and my or the believer's usefulness when it comes to being able to minister. The Holy Spirit plays many different roles in the lives of both believers and certainly unbelievers. Nicknamed the hound of heaven, he convicts the unbeliever of their need for a savior. There's not a one of us today that don't know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. First thing happened is that we were convicted uh, through and by certainly the Holy Spirit. He also has a unique relationship with those certainly who have accepted Jesus Christ. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, uh, there are three descriptions of his relationship with us as believers and certainly as unbelievers. The Bible says he will be with us, he will be in us, and thirdly, he will be upon us. And time and time again, that is described throughout the Old and especially the New Testament. He will be with us, he will be in us, And, of course, he comes upon us, and this is what happened to the disciples and certainly those that receive uh, the Spirit of the Lord or the baptism of the Spirit of the Lord. Notice Roman numeral number one, the Holy Spirit's relationship with Christ. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because if you and I are going to do what Christ did, we must have what Christ had. We say it again. And, and Jesus said this himself. <clears throat> the works that I do, what? You'll do also. So if you and I <clears throat> are expected to do what Christ did, you and I must, mandatory, we must have what Christ had. The Holy Spirit, the agent of certainly conception. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, he was found, I'm sorry, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So that, that happened to her, the pregnancy certainly was of the Holy Spirit. And then the physician Luke writes it this way in chapter 1, verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit, this is speaking to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And the only way, and we find this in St. John 3, the only way that you and I can be born again is by the Spirit. It is through the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was the agent when it comes to the conception of Jesus Christ. Number two, at his baptism, and I love this, 
if you want to read a good story and read some good happenings, read about John when he first sees Jesus and, and, and he baptizes Jesus and all that takes place. It just is powerful. At his baptism, Christ's baptism, the Spirit anointed him for his ministry. And we find in Matthew chapter, if you will, uh, 3, look at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, You know, I just need to be baptized of you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill, Jesus said, all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Then in verse 16 it says, And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And a and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And then in verse 17 it says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Speaking of the Trinity, there it is. No question, no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Uh, here at present is the Trinity. And uh, Jesus was baptized. He received, not only baptized in water, but the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This again is Christ. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to say that liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Again, Jesus was anointed. He had the Spirit of God with him. And for those that would advocate that the baptism is not for the church today, shortchanges the church expecting the church to change the world, maybe even turn it upside down like the disciples. But we can't do that unless we have what Jesus had and the early church had. There's no question about this, that Jesus had the Spirit of God, the anointing of God. And God makes it clear, this ministry was passed not only to the disciples, but ultimately, listen at me. That's the reason I want you to keep these notes and study it and read it. It's important that we understand this, especially in these last days. Not only did he tell his disciples in, uh, I think it's uh, Saint, what is it, St. Luke 9, 1 and 2. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and, and cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. His disciples, not only his 12, but the 70 that he sent. And, and so he, he gave that to them. Also in uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Behold, I send what? The promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So not only Jesus Christ had the anointing of the Holy Spirit, 
and was able to accomplish what he accomplished while on earth, but he also gave that authority and that power to his disciples, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, and all of those things. And we find that in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after, listen to this, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So right at the beginning of Acts, he is saying he is he has given these disciples commandments and then a commandment concerning the, the Spirit of the Lord. And then in chapter 2, <coughs> he says... <coughs> And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit. And this is Peter speaking after they had received and he preached the great. And during the time he preached the great message, I will pour out my spirit on the the apostles. Did I read it right? Didn't say that, did it? I will pour out my spirit upon just the deacons and the pastors and The preachers didn't say that. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I guess that's the reason I dream dreams rather than seeing visions. I don't know. But this is what God says. And it's very, very clear. And then look at uh, verses uh 38 and 39 of chapter 2. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God certainly will call. Nothing vague about that. Nothing that uh, we wonder and scratch our head. Is this possible? Is it real for us today? It is so possible. When a person is baptized with the Holy Spirit, they receive power. In fact, Acts chapter 1, we quote it a lot in, in verse 8. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem? Judea? and Samaria? Does it stop there? No, it comes to America. To all around, to the uttermost parts of the world. And you might ask me, you say, but Brother Don, I, I thought I received the Spirit when I was born again. You, you did. In fact, Romans talks about, chapter 8, talks about the spirit of sonship. Every person that is an unbeliever, when they become a believer and they accept Jesus Christ, receives the spirit of the Lord. And again, I'll say it this way. Like Finest Dake says it, it's called the spirit of sonship. We become the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. We know him. The spirit is certainly on the inside. But there are 
some powerful verses found in St. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, the King James says, but the new King James says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He said he had to go away and when he would go away he would send the Holy Spirit. The Father would send the Holy Spirit. So if we look at St. John chapter 4 and verse 14... It says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him, and this is the new king, James Version, a fountain. The king James says there, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jack Hayford explains it so well, when we become a Christian, We have the Spirit of God like a well. When we become filled or baptized of the Holy Spirit, it's like a river that that runs out. When we become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes in. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He flows out. Is that too hard to understand? I, I, I hope not. Because that's exactly what happened. The overflowing power... Of the Holy Spirit. And it is real. And for us today. And I'll read number three here. It says. The figure of rivers contrast with the fountain. Illustrating the difference between one's new birth. And one's experience of the overflowing fullness. Of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a very positive thing that happens when he flows out of us and we're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now you might ask me, you say, Pastor, what what are the benefits? What about our relationship with the Holy Spirit? There are three dimensions of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and the Lord. First of all, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. David said, I can't go anywhere and not find him. If I go to the highest hill, he's there. If I go to the lowest places, he's there. So we know that God is everywhere. That's what that word means, omnipresent. He's everywhere. The second dimension is the uh, certainly abiding presence. The abiding presence. You say, what, what does that mean? When a person, it's like I said a while ago, when a person is born again, the Holy Spirit comes in, and the Bible says he abides how long? Forever. So you have the omnipresence where God is everywhere. Then you have the abiding presence for every believer that has accepted Christ, inviting him on the inside. He abides. And then the third dimension of the Holy Spirit is the manifestation of the Spirit of God. 
You know, we'll walk out some of the services and we'll say, boy, God's presence was so real today. God's presence is always real. It's just as real one day as it is the other day. It's just as real on Monday morning as you're riding down the highway as it is on Sunday morning when we're singing and worshiping God and we say, wow, he's always the same. It's just where we position ourselves to receive that presence, manifested presence of God. And I believe he's desiring As Brother Michael was saying earlier, I believe God is desiring to manifest his presence in our lives. And that's where we see the gifts of the Spirit operate. That's that's where we see the fruit of the Spirit so prevalent in people's lives. It's when he begins to manifest himself in our lives. You might say, well, Pastor, what good is that for me? What does it do for me? Well, in this last uh, section... I want you to notice the results of the overflowing power of the Holy Spirit. And I love these four. Number one, the new power to serve and to witness. And he says that in in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Give you power to witness. I don't care how exciting. I don't care how zealous you are and we are about winning souls for Jesus Christ. We're unable to affect people's lives without the Spirit of God. That's the reason it's so important when you go out to witness or when you get up in the morning, when you go out to work or wherever you go to go to school. That's why it's so important that we pray, God, open the door for me. And I want to be able to utilize the gifts that you've given me, your word. But then God, when I witness to the unsaved, when I witness to those that are lost, I want the Holy Spirit to speak and minister to that person. So new power to witness and tell people about Jesus Christ. And you can watch people how that, even though they seem at times to be rebellious, They don't want to listen. All of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord begins to move and begins to bless. My wife has just a great talent to witness for Jesus. And we are seldom ever out in public to where God doesn't open the door for either Carol or myself to be able to witness, whether it's in a restaurant, whether it's in a place of business, so often. And I watch people, how that they'll come up to her or how they'll look at her and how that they observe her. And there's something about her that causes them to, to begin to, to ask questions. I saw it last night. We went out to eat with our grandkids and, and some of the people. And I saw it last night at a restaurant. It, for almost 35 to 40 minutes, I watched someone, how God was just moving on that person's life. And we need that. All of us need that reflection of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that he'll touch people's hearts and touch their lives. But it won't happen unless he is active in us, unless we allow him to be manifesting in our lives. And he helps us, number one, to be a greater witness for him. Number two, not only a new power to serve and witness, but a new pursuit for growth in God's Word. Look at John chapter 14, 
verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you almost all things. Didn't say it that way, did it? I'm glad you're reading along with me. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. This is what he's telling those apostles. And then when Jesus was taken up, scripture after scripture that says, and they remembered. What caused them to remember? The Holy Spirit caused them to remember. Look at the 17th and 18th verse of the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of what? He don't want us to be dumb. He wants us to be filled with wisdom and, and, and understanding, but give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God's word is made alive through the Holy Spirit. Wow, you ever had it to jump out and just really minister to you? It means so much. There's a new pursuit in God's word. And we study the life of Jesus Christ in the gospel. And it's revealed to us these truths that we need to not only live by, but certainly to tell other people about. So we have a new power to serve. We have a new pursuit in, in the growth in God's word. And number two, a new potency in prayer. We have prayer times here at the church. Not only do we have private prayer times, but we have public prayer times, collective prayer times. Whether it's Sunday morning between 9 and 9.30, whether it's Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock here at the church, whether it's Tuesday morning with DMIP, Durham Ministers in Prayer on 9th Street, whether it's Friday night at 7 o'clock where we just really are able to come and pray together and see the mighty hand of God move. And we use the acronym when we pray, and I love this. You might want to try this. When you get down to pray, the acronym of ACTS, first of all, we start adoring Jesus Christ. We adore him for who he is. We love him for who he is. And then second of all, we, we, we confess. I don't know if I need to confess. We all need to confess. I know I do. And second of all, we need to confess our sins. We need to confess the sins of our nation, the shortcomings of our nation and shortcomings. You know, Daniel prayed for Israel even in Babylon. And he repented in Babylon for the sins of the nation of Israel. So first of all, we adore Christ. Second of all, we confess our sins. Thirdly, we just thank him. We've got so much to thank him for. And then after that, we come to supplication. We come and pray and we ask God for things. And God answers prayer. So we realize that there's a new potency in prayer. Ephesians 6 and 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. It's a great verse. We pray in the Spirit. Look, look, look also, if you will, at... Uh, 
Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Words you cannot even speak. You ever been there? How long has it been since you've, you, 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 you've really groaned in the Spirit? Maybe you've hurt so bad, or maybe you had such a burden, or maybe maybe you were in the Spirit so much you couldn't even say words. English wouldn't come out, and you just simply groan. Brother Don, you believe in all that stuff? Yeah. We need to do whatever we can in our prayer life to move the hand of God and to draw us in fellowship more with Him. Prayer is more about us getting to, in fellowship with Him than any, anything else anyway. Powerful praying. And then last, let's look at lastly, a new passion for worship. <clears throat> a new passion for worship with the inner being. And I, I, I wanted specifically to read Paul's writing to the church at Corinth with the Amplified. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 15. Then what am I, what am I to do? I will pray with the Spirit, by the Spirit that is within me. And I will pray with the mind using words I understand. I will sing with the Spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me. And I will sing with the mind using words I understand. You say, preacher, is that speaking in tongues which you folks believe in at that church? Yeah. You know how I know? Look back up at, and I didn't get this, Tammy, I'm sorry. Look back up at, at, at verse 14. It says, for if I pray in a tongue... Paul says, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Well, we don't like that word unfruitful, so we're not going to pray in tongues. It said, we don't have to understand it. Sometimes we just need to pray in tongues. Amen? That's what Paul is saying. And he says, I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm not too sure we pray every time in tongues, praying in the Spirit, but I I do believe there are times we pray in tongues. My mother was just a great singer. And often when Mama would sing, she would sing in tongues. I had a good friend many years ago, and I loved him dearly, Cecil Williams. He pastored the church down in Midway. And I'll never forget the night he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We met. We, Carol's dad eventually built a church there on that particular lot. But we met in their, in their old storefront. We had so, such a service that night. And, and Cecil fell out. He's a big fellow. Because at that time he wasn't too heavy. But he fell out and fell all into chairs and laid out and laid there. And laid there, and laid there. He stayed there, and he was he was singing in the spirit. He was speaking in tongues, and it just sounded like angels were around us. He sung in the spirit. It's time that the church gets back to praying and singing in the spirit. It's time we stop worrying about what someone's going to say. I'm not necessarily talking about out in a public situation where we do need to talk in English where folks understand us. 
But in our devotional time, how long has it been in your devotional time when you got down before the Lord and you were so concerned? Listen, I'm concerned about what's happening in Washington, D.C. today. There's so much confusion. There's so much dissension and division. Our nation is in trouble and we need to cry out to God for our nation. Our families are in trouble. Our sons and our daughters are addicted and they're away from God. And we need to be concerned and cry out to God and groan in the Spirit and speak in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and sing in the Spirit and let the Spirit do the work. Hallelujah. Marsh Westbrook's sister received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think that night she received the baptism in Fedville, North Carolina. And she fell out. And she lay there. I think I'm going to get this pretty near right. I, it's been so long. I hope I'm going to get it close, Brother Morris. And she lay there speaking in tongues. And everybody said, it's time to go home. But she didn't stop. She kept speaking in tongues. And she kept right on, and we said, well, it's time to go home. And I don't know, going to speak in tongues. I know you don't hear about this today, and I know we've, we've sort of shoveled it out of the door, and we've said, so let's not talk about those things anymore. We need the Holy Ghost to take over our lives and move us. They picked her up. She still kept speaking in tongues. They put her in the car. She kept speaking in tongues. And from what I understand, she spoke in tongues all the way home. But now we, no, let's not do that kind of thing anymore. God help us. We need the power in the witnessing. We need the pursuit in the growth of God's word. We need potency in prayer. And we certainly, certainly, certainly need passion in our worship. You can't even do warfare praying unless the Holy Spirit intervenes. And the church needs to do warfare praying. The church needs to do warfare praying. In 1954, I was 13 years old. Stop figuring up. I'll never forget August the 5th, I'm sorry, October the 15th. I'll never forget that day. For that's the day that there was a hurricane that came through Haiti, came up out of the Atlantic Ocean. And hit it, hit it Calabash, North Carolina. It hit North Carolina with a vengeance. It had winds of 137 miles per hour. And it came right through where we lived. We lived at that time on outside. A place called, uh, it's half, it's on Faison Highway, halfway between a place called Clinton and Faison. We live about halfway, about five or six miles from Faison, five or six miles from Clinton. And we lived in an old house. Had no underpinning. You could see all, look up under and see all the way to the other side. And we, of course, we didn't have television. We had radio and and we found out that this Hurricane Hazel was coming. And we did everything we could to brace for it. But it hit. 
My dad walked from room to room, scared to death. My mom, she prayed and just left it in the hands of the Lord. And us kids, we wondering what in the world's going on. What in the world's happening? I had an old big chain ball tree in the front, and it tore much of that out. Another one in the back, it tore much of that out. It rained, the wind blowed, trees fell. There was a hundred, I'm sorry, a thousand one hundred and ninety-one people that lost their lives during that storm. Most of them in Haiti. That storm came through Sampson County, went all the way up through Virginia, went all the way up in Canada, and 80-some people in Ontario lost their lives. And so we sent, hunkered down, sat hunkered down as that storm hit. We'd never seen anything like it. It was one of the most devastating natural happenings in the United States. Afraid, yeah. And the wind blew, and the wind blew, and the wind blew. And then it began to die down, and all of a sudden, just like that, all of a sudden, the wind stopped blowing. It was no longer cloudy. The rain stopped. The sun came out, and the birds were singing. And we went outside. And like the man that fell down the flight of stairs to predestinationist and said, I'm glad that's over with. We were glad that was over with. We were so thankful this devastating storm was gone. We did not know that there's an eye in a cyclone and in a hurricane. Usually in a hurricane, the eye is about 20, uh, 30 to 40 miles in diameter. We did not know that we were experiencing the eye of the storm. And then just like it was cut off like a spigot, it started back just like that. The tail end or the back part of that hurricane hazel was worse than the front part. And we had to go through it again. But I'm here to tell you that the eye of that storm was calm. And you may be going through a storm this morning. You may be facing something. I'm here to tell you that there's nothing like having the gentle hand of the Holy Spirit to caress you and love you and speak peace to your heart. I thank all of you for praying for me. My time of storm. But let me tell you there's a calm. There's a great calm. And there's a great peace. In the eye of the storm. And the only way that you and I can have that great peace and that great calm. Is through the hand of Jesus Christ. And the presence of God's Holy Spirit. There's hardly a time that they take my blood. There's hardly a time that they do anything to me. No matter where I'm at. No matter what doctor's doing it. No matter what nurse is there with me. There's not a time that they do anything like that to me that I don't start speaking in tongues. 
Now, the Holy Spirit will comfort you when... You're talking about a comforter? He'll comfort you when nothing else will. Mom, dad, husbands, wives, loved ones can go with you so far. But he goes with you all your way. And they lay you on a stretcher and they cover you up and they start pushing you down the corridor and you watch the lights as they go by. You watch the lights as they go by and you, you have a peace that passes understandings because you're right in the midst, right in the eye of the storm all around you. And while the storm is raging, the birds are singing, there's no wind blowing, there's no rain, there's no fear, but there's a peace. You can, you can have that peace tonight, today. You see, Brother Donnie, you, you really believe that, y'all? They say a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I've experienced it. He gives us peace. As Brother Matt and them comes to play a song, I want to challenge you today. Everything about this message is action. Everything about it, whether it's, whether it's praying, whether it's worshiping God, whether it is uh, the, the power of God to witness everything about this, whether it's the power of God to, to study, everything about this message is, is, is action. And I believe this morning that God is calling all of us, listen at me, I believe that God is calling all of us to action, to something. I don't believe God just wants us to come and sit in a pew and that's great. Listen, I'm so thankful for all of you that are here. Many of you are faithful every Sunday. Thank you so much. But I don't believe God just wants us to come and sit in a pew, enjoy the teaching or the preaching of God's word and worship, and leave and not have some kind of action that we're going to take. I'm going to ask you, are you a Christian, first of all? Are you a believer? Second of all, if you are and you have the Spirit of God, have you allowed yourself to, to go on to take that next step of being baptized, immersed, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow out? Have you allowed yourself to do that? Do it. We have, June Evans has written one of the greatest books on receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we have some of her books. We'd be glad to give you one. But you've got a desire. You've got a hunger. You've got to want to grow in the Lord. You've got to want to, to be, be active in witnessing. Be active in praying. Be active in worship. Be active in studying God's word. I'm going to do it. I want to challenge you today to take that next step. We're going to call everyone to the altar in just a moment. And we'll stand here in the altar and we can make commitments then if you'd like to. Or even where you're sitting at today. Let's talk to Jesus. Father, we love you this morning. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you did send the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Where Jesus could be in just one place at one time. The Holy Spirit can be all over everywhere at one time. 
whether it's here in North Carolina or on the West Coast in California, whether it's with the beautiful people down in Central America and Nicaragua, or whether it's with Moses Chowdhury over in Vijuata, India, Northern Africa, Europe, Asia. Well, that's the reason that Jesus said, I must go away. And he'll send another comforter. He'll send another comforter. One that will stand by you. One that will minister to you. And Lord, as we think about what the Holy Spirit will be for us, first of all, He is our counselor. And He, he leads us. And He guides us. And He should be the first one that we go to when we need to have guidance. Not only is He our counselor, He's our advocate. Lord, I'm so glad you plead our case. I thank you that you are advocate. And to know this morning that you're praying for us, that you are our intercessor. Lord, how comforting. Nothing could be more comforting than to know that Jesus Christ, the Holy, through the Holy Spirit, is praying and interceding for us. And he's the one that strengthens us and stands by us when we need him. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place today. Bless every home, every family, every mom, every dad, every young person. In the presence. Stand with us, please, and let's sing it. Oh, Jehovah. God Almighty. Prince of Peace. Sing the song, church. Troubles vanish. Hearts are mended in the I want you to worship God, but would you come and stand with us around the altar? Just come, each one. Come on, everybody come. Everyone come and stand with us around the altar. Oh, Jehovah. Come on, stand with us. God Almighty. the king you 
here today and you might say, Pastor, I know I'm born again, but I've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit where he flows out of me to minister to others and strengthens. You slip up your hand. Will you do that? You've not received the baptism. I want to give you a book. I want to hope you'll take what I've said today. It's okay. It's okay if you've not received the baptism. Does that mean you're not going to go to heaven? No. Does that mean you're less of a person? No. But it does mean that you have power and anointing and, and great grace when you receive the past baptism. You're here today. You know Christ is your Savior, but you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me see your hand. Anyone? Okay. Sister Carol, would you go back there in that basket and give that young lady? There's more. Come on. Lift your hand. We'll have, we're going to have someone to give you bring you a book. Anyone else? Okay. Uh, Michael, would you get one of those books? Are you still in service? You still in service? In, are you still in service? Were you the one? He's not the one. My, my, my fault. It's okay. I'm okay anyway. <laughs> it's good to see you today. God bless you. Anyone else? I like this. Anyone else? These are action things we're going to do. Because I want you... Listen... Now, if you're here today and you say, Brother Nun, I have the baptism. I have received the baptism. Have you spoken in tongues lately? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to minister? To, have you prayed in tongues? Have you sung? I'll tell you what to do. Sing in tongues. I challenge you this week to sing in tongues. God will touch you. He will minister to you. Hallelujah.